0: Welcome to the Seashore Church message of the week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. God started putting on my heart in a very big way that um, this coming year for our whole church would be a year of joy-filled breakthrough. I'll say it again, joy-filled breakthrough. And I, uh, I was God was stirring that in my heart, and I... You know, sometimes it's very obviously he's speaking to you about something. Other times it might take you a while to catch it. And it took me a little while to catch it. And, uh, and that's okay because he, he speaks to us in so many different ways, okay? Um, but when he first started speaking this to me, um, it was just um, out of, I was, just, I was singing all these songs that all had joy in them and realized all week long I'd connected, oh my goodness, I'm singing all of these songs with the same theme, joy. And that's when he went, oh, that's, that's what I have for you this coming year. So it took me like a week of singing songs and reading scriptures before I went, oh, you're trying to speak to me. So sometimes (laughs) sometimes we're so good at capturing what the Holy Spirit is saying, like instant. Other times it can take a little while. That's okay. We're all human, right? Um, So why I find it really very significant, a very significant word for us, very beautiful thing for our church is because I know that since April, maybe a little bit before April, um, but from at least around April until now, so many people in our church have gone through the ringer. Literally, I lost five family members, five. I know other people here have lost other family members, all in the space of from April till now. My daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. There's just many, many things that happened in many of our people's lives. It, was, it has been a uh, hard, in one sense, a uh, uh, few months to walk because we just had to keep walking you know here's the thing though I the scripture that God really gave me during that period and coming out of it coming to the end of it was the Acts chapter 4 um, where where Peter and uh, Peter and John are hauled off into jail because persecution's breaking up because God is doing amazing things in the family. The revival is happening, the church is exploding, but people are really going into a revival and waking up to the Lord and going, who, who is this person called the Holy Spirit and can I and so the church is really exploding. God is doing incredible miracles, but the city is in uproar and so persecution broke out. Peter and John are put in jail, and the city leaders decide to release them, saying, you are not permitted to speak about Jesus anymore. If you do, you're going to end up back in jail, and we might kill you. <laughs> like, that's kind of persecution. And anyway, so, so um, that happens, and God, they get back to the church, and instead of going, shh, we can't talk about Jesus anymore. They go, oh, we're all in this now. And they prayed for more. They prayed for more presence. They prayed for more miracles. They prayed for more opportunity. They prayed that all of them would speak boldly the word of truth. And the the Acts chapter 4, 29 says this. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and all spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and one in mind. And so that's what I felt like at the end of April till just a little while ago. That's what it's, we weren't put, we weren't jailed, right, none of us went to jail, (laughs) none of us were told to stop speaking the word of God, or we're going to, you know, torture you and kill you, that doesn't happen in America, thank God, but there was still five family members, to lose five family members, other people lost family members, several people in our family here, and, um, and then also, you know, my daughter, um, that diagnosis, that's, that's persecution, and it just looks different. Because here's the thing is the devil roars constantly to try and get the people of God to shut their mouth, to sit down, to stop doing the miracles, to stop demonstrating, living out the gospel and demonstrating it with signs and miracles and wonders to keep them silent. The devil is roaring all the time at people. And so our church is really going into a place of beautiful, ah, oh, I'm shaking, um, beautiful revival. The hearts of people here are becoming so awake to who God is and so awake to what he wants to do in the individual life, but also then as a corporate family. And I say corporate, I don't mean like corporate America institutionalized business. I mean a very beautiful, living, breathing, corporate organism, the church of God on the earth, what God wants to do with us in our lives as a family. Okay? So when I say corporate family, I mean the living, breathing family of God. He dwells among us. He makes his habitation here among us, right? So I don't mean corporate like, you know, Walmart corporate cold institution business. I mean very warm, filled with the Holy Spirit, corporate family of God, hearts connected, hearts linked, committed to one another, committed to really seeing what God wants to do on the earth through our lives. That's what the family of God is about. So when I say corporate family, it's all good, right? Don't think corporate negative, corporate just out, you know, making money. No, 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 family of God is not about that. Family of God is hearts linked, truly linked, because you're my brother, you're my sister, and we are together doing this beautiful, beautiful life together. God called us to do life together, amazingly. And that, not that we're all amazing all the time, because we fall over it. And, but that's why we do family life really well, because I can help someone up, and they can help me up when I need it. Right? That's what this is about. So, a joy-filled breakthrough 2020. That's what I want to talk about. I'm just going to we're going to pray, okay, before I start preaching. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I've been preaching. <laughs> so, Oh, just. I feel you already in the room and um, we just love you Holy Spirit we want you to have your way in our hearts in our lives in our families in our larger corporate family we want you to have your way we want you to be the one Lord you said to me you want your church your way and why don't I be someone who allows you to do that many many years ago and uh, I said yes, and we today say yes, and every day we say yes, we say, Holy Spirit, you come, you have your way, personally in our lives, but as a, a family, the family of God, Holy Spirit, you come, and you have your way, you have your way. Yeah, amen. So, I you know, I told a story about being in the hospital in the ER for five, four days, five days with my daughter, and the Holy Spirit spoke a lot of things. But there was one—the first night where He interrupted my, "Oh Lord, I'd take this for my daughter," and He goes, "No, Jesus, I already did." <laughs> so loud, like in the ER pick unit, the pediatric pick unit—I can't remember how to say that now—but um, I already did. He, He said it so loud in the in the PICU, it got my attention. But it got my attention in such a way that it took my eyes off even what was happening in my daughter. And even though they were saying, "Oh, this is hit and miss. She might have brain," injury, blah, 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 all the gross diagnosis stuff. It, it was able. It, it, his word. This is the thing: is he? Pro- we got him, David, up earlier to give the uh, prophetic word because the prophetic word interrupts the the now word, even if the now word is a real diagnosis of a disease, right? The prophetic word of God and the written word of God, Logos word of God. Those two things interrupt the worldly words. Even though they might be true sometimes, the prophetic word calls us into something so much higher and so much bigger. It's the eternal the eternal things that God wants us to be basing our lives in. And so when he just said to me, in that, in that, I already took this. I already did. It interrupted and I was able to just glide through the next few days, even though they were hard. I was able to really glide through the next few days and hanging on to his words. Not hanging on like for bare life, hanging on very, very confidently. There's a great difference, isn't there? And that's what I want to talk about, the joy-filled breakthrough. So the year of 2020, for everybody in this room, as God's promise to you, because I'm sure... He spoke it again and again for the last month. 2020 will be a year for our church of great, great breakthrough. And I don't know what every area you might need breakthrough in, um, but God is the God who meets every single one of our needs. He's a loving, loving Father, and He wants us to know Him as that and be very, very confident knowing that He does meet every single one of our needs. I have little kids. Well, they're bigger now, but when they're little, like what need did they have that I didn't want to meet? right? You want to cover, you want to look after everything they need. And the Father's heart is the same way for us. We just got to let him, because often we just don't. Sometimes we don't, because we, we don't think he will. And then when he does, we're like, oh my goodness, what happened? And then sometimes forget for the next time when we need faith, but he just wants us to be able to walk through life trusting him. And, you know, Jesus said again and again, just be like a child, accept the kingdom like a child. And that's the part of just accepting that your father in heaven wants you just to accept the things he wants to give you like a child. On Christmas, we're about to have Christmas, right? What kid doesn't just rip open their presents and know that they're theirs, right? They don't question, oh, mum, is this really for me? you, usually didn't get this for one of my other siblings. <laughs> it's got your name on it, right? As a parent, you're like that with your presents, with your kids for Christmas. A well, father is like that with us too. He just wants us to hang on to that stuff and own it. Know that it's yours. Healing is ours. Deliverance is ours. Complete freedom is ours. Wholeness, so that we know who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. It's all ours. We've just got to own it. It's what it comes down to. Believe it. Believe his word. Whereas, I actually don't have my Bible. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Hang on. Every single one of these words in this Bible our promises to you from the Father, that we are to walk in and believe every one of the miracles. We can say, God, do it again in my life. Every one of the promises we can stand on. And even when it doesn't look like in the natural what is happening, I can still trust the Word of God and still believe that what He has said is true about me, because this is eternal truth. Even though I might be walking through with my daughter a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, the eternal truth is that Jesus does heal and has healed. And we just haven't yet accessed it, and we'll keep pressing into God, and keep pressing into God, until, sometimes the until might be in heaven, but we're okay with that, and we're still going to go after the, it happening now, because sometimes it happens now as well, and we have several miracles already in church, incredible, you know, healings from cancer already, and uh, I hope, like, pray daily, pray daily, honestly, like pray daily and then go out and actually pray for people, lay hands on the sick to uh, exercise this gift, right, so pray for that, anyway, I'm so off my notes and typical, right, you're like, yeah, we know, (laughs) um, I do want to stick to them a little bit tonight, try to, try to, It's not always easy just to walk all the time with joy in our hearts because circumstances do come into our life that can really tip us and tip our thinking, and we can start to look at the circumstances. You know, people go that word overwhelming. Ah, oh, circumstances are overwhelming, over. It's because we've come under them. Does that make sense? So the whole point of having joy and being a person who can live with continual joy is we can recognize. We are not supposed to come under the circumstances anymore. The only thing that's supposed to overwhelm us is the very presence of God in our lives. But if we're going we're to read this, Philippians 4.4. 4. I'm going to read from the NIV. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will again say, rejoice That actually means just joyfully, joyfully live life, joyfully sing songs, joyfully talk to your friends, joyfully walk around your house, um, talking to the people in your house, joyfully walk around your workplace and just be someone filled constantly with joy. Rejoice just means exult or rejoice in the Lord. Be joyful. Own it. Own the joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He is so, so near. So near. Nearer than the very breath is even in our lungs. It's closer than that to us. right? He never leaves us. Never forsakes us. He's near. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. So this is Paul who wrote this. Paul is saying rejoice in everything. Just rejoice. Own joy. Don't be anxious. Trust God. He will guard your heart. And then the way to do it is to catch our thinking and to think on things that whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, think on such things. That's the training of our heart and our mind and all of our thinking. That's the training and the intentional way of of what we allow our heart and our mind to dwell on, the meditation of our heart, which is a constant conversation. We are having a constant conversation that just goes around and around in our head and our heart all day long. And the most words that a person's ever gonna speak to you about you is you. The more you can be really intentional and catch that and just go, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think on such things. So Paul is saying rejoice, but here's the way to do it is catch your thinking. Think on the good things. Think on the God thoughts. Because I love Bill Johnson. He said this. He goes, "Um, uh, you you can never afford to have a thought in your head that God doesn't think about you. I love that. Because, sure, we have an enemy that has a lot of thoughts toward us that are for our ruin and for our destruction, that we'd be people who walk with guilt and shame and condemnation. That's the enemy voice. Every single one of the thoughts that originate in that in that part of the guilt, the condemnation, the negativity, I'm not good enough. Look, oh, that person over there is better than me. Oh, I don't think I can do that. I, I failed one time before. I don't really, I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> You can... You name it. Oh, that person's better at that than me. Oh, I'm better than that. I'm better than that person. Now it's comparison. Like all of, all of that stuff, that does not originate out of the Father's heart for any one of us. The Father's heart toward us is constantly, constantly for your good, for your upbuilding, for your encouragement. And so I love that Bill Johnson said that. Don't have, we cannot afford to have in our heart now thinking any thought that doesn't come out of the Father's heart toward us. Because he's who created you. And so he knows your identity and he knows your purpose. And so when we can bring our lives into uh, a, a position with his will and his purpose, understanding what he's called us to do, we're anointed then because now, doing his will, we have full anointing to get up and run in everything that he's called us to do. Everything. And we run with his energy flowing through us, not our own, no more religious striving. So rejoice. Nehemiah 8.10, you know this, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalm 119, verse 1. I'm going to read it, the amplified version, so it's a little more wordy. Bear with me, okay. Um, Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied, are the undefiled, the upright, the truly sincere, the blameless, in the way of God's revealed will, who walk and order their conduct and conversation in the law of the Lord God, the whole of God's revealed will. That's a lot of words. I'm going to break it down. That was just one verse. <laughs> so other Bibles might have had like anyway, uh, uh, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Say th- say this after me. Say, I am blessed. I am happy. I am to be envied. I am fortunate. Then say the next part: I am undefiled. Why are we undefiled? Because we trust Jesus. So, so you know, there's a there's a there's a phrase um, there's a phrase that says, "Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace." Like, no, you're not. If you've been saved by grace, you've also been completely translated out of the kingdom of darkness and been transplanted into the kingdom of light, and you've been made a completely tripping over my word right now, completely new creation in Christ. So now. You're not a sinner just saved by grace. Now you're a new creation. You're a saint. You're saved by grace and you've been made anew, born anew. Jesus said being born from the Spirit of God, born from heaven, born from above, be born again. It is being made new in the likeness of Jesus Christ, a new creation. So we don't live to try and get to this place of good Christianity. We are transplanted into the kingdom and given all of Jesus' righteousness So God looks at you as pure and undefiled. And that's why I want you to say again, I am undefiled. undefiled. Back to the verse. The undefiled are the upright, those truly sincere and blameless. You're blameless before the Father. He doesn't look at you and try and blame you for things that you might have fallen over and done last week or last year or 10 years ago. He He doesn't look at that stuff. He looks at you, but through the filter of Jesus Christ. He looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ as if it was really, really yours, fully yours. So you really can be someone who goes, I am undefiled, I am upright, I am truly sincere, I am blameless before Father. And the whole point of that is so that we can be brought into this incredible intimate relationship with him, with nothing standing in the way. All of the sin, all of the shame, all of the sickness, disease. It's been completely, completely taken care of. That's why the first part of the verse says, blessed, happy, fortunate, and uh, to be envied. Okay, verse 2 says this again. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who keep his testimonies. His testimonies. Keep to his testimonies. There's a lot in that, but it's, it's Keep looking into the Word of God for the testimonies in here. Keep talking about them, your own personal testimonies. Keep talking about the things God has done. Keep talking about the things God said he's going to do. And keep that keep that as a conversation on your lips. That's actually... Oh, I find... I mean, oh yeah, I find that it actually really purifies our conversation, because, you know, people can spiral down pretty quickly to gross conversation with each, with, you know, it's just a natural human tendency, but if we intention to keep God's testimonies on our lips, it actually is a way that produces in us a great purifying conversation. I I texted the text group I have um, for the worship team, and someone had made some kind of joke, and it was really funny, someone had, uh, I don't remember what the joke was, but I, I, put in the text group, I literally don't care who picks up my telephone and reads through every one of my texts or every one of my emails. Nothing to hide. Because the intention is that we can have, I want to, I pray that you all do too, have just the constant conversation that is, that is never pulling someone else down. It's never gossipy, but it's always just talking about all the good things that God has done. Then, then, then this verse is really becoming so true in our lives, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who keep his testimonies, who seek, inquire for, and crave him with their whole heart. Crave. that crave God with your whole heart. So what is joy? If we're talking about we're talking about a joy-filled breakthrough year, even to explain to people what joy, there's a couple of Hebrew words, because um, I'm out of time, I'm not going to go through the Hebrew section, I'm going to go through the Greek section, and this is why, because I think it's pretty awesome, oh, it's all awesome, the Bible's all awesome, I love my Bible. But the Greek words, there's, a several, there's several Greek words that are all connected through joy, and um, I love this because the Holy Spirit is Himself the Spirit of joy, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be really filled with the Holy Spirit, is this joy comes on the inside is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians five seventeen, is joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you've been, uh, if you've given your life to the Lord, Holy Spirit has come and taken residence inside you, and the follow up of the baptism then with the Spirit of God, it's already in you. Holy Spirit of God is already in you, and so is then His fruit. Sometimes in seed form, we've got to let it grow right, and all of us, all of us are on this journey, so there's no right, wrong, there's no better, less, worse, you know, there's no comparison, we're all just on this journey and all allowing him to grow us and grow in us his fruit, Um, here are the words, and this is, I love it, so um, kara is the Greek word for joy, just pretty simple kara, okay, I'm going to pronounce it a little bit differently because I'm not—I'm not a Greek expert, okay? So if you're like—if you are—don't look at me like you're saying that wrong, because I'll throw my Bible at you, show you what's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kara is joy. Cairo is rejoice. Charis is grace. Charisma is grace gift. That's where we get the word charismatic from. So if you connect all of that, it's kara, it's joy. Cairo is rejoice. What I get? Car, uh, Chariz or chariz is grace. And then the grace gifts, which is charisma and the charismatic side of who we are. See, this is the thing is, the more filled with the Holy Spirit we are, the more joy is going to be on the inside. The more joy is going to well up and be something that's really unstoppable in your life, no matter what you have to walk through. And I have to tell a story because um, I want to do it carefully. Um, I served in a church full of people that I really love a while back. And I remember in 2005, I was like, man, Holy Spirit, this is dry. What is going on? In 2000, That's 2005. 2008, I was like in Australia, sitting on a beach going, why did you call me there? It's really dry. <laughs> just praying, going, I know you called me there, but tell me again why, because it is a spiritually dry place, and, and Lord just said again, just keep saying yes there, I've called you there. The next year, Hillsong Church wrote a song, and it caught my heart so beautifully. I'm going to get the lyrics here, because um, maybe some of you will know it. It's... Um, I was standing in my kitchen, so this is you know quite a nine years already in this place of loving the Lord, but wondering why did you call me here? I love all these people and I'm willing to do whatever it is, but please start speaking to me, explain to me why I'm here because this is dry. Holy Spirit is not real welcome, um, I'm, so I don't know why I'm here. So, uh, the Lord, this song just started playing is so I just, you know, I have worship on in my house all the time, and um, I try to, and um, so this song just started coming on, but this time of day, I was standing in a spot in my kitchen, and the sun was going down, and I've got some windows in the kitchen, and through the windows, the sun shone straight, straight, straight through the windows, and was hitting me, and lighting up the space where I was um, standing, and the song came on, and it's this, I'm not going to sing it, because it got a sore throat, <laughs> It's look to the skies, hope arise, see his majesty revealed. More than this life, there is love, there is hope, and this is real. And I don't need to see it to believe it, I don't need to see it to believe, because I can't shake this fire burning deep inside my heart. And I remember it, because I stood there, I stood there because the question over my life was, God, you called me here to America and I don't understand it all. I'm here, I'm good for the call, I'm good for the ask, I'll stand. But explain to me why it's dry and they don't even want you. Holy Spirit, what's going on? And that's when the sun just shone through in that moment. And with tears down my my eyes, I just kept singing that song over and over, just singing that song. And it was the it was like the horizon. Just look to the skies, and I and I had a bit of a vision as well in it because I just saw the sun. The sun it was sunset time, but what in the vision it was actually the sun was rising in the vision because it just got brighter and brighter and brighter. And the next li- some of the lines were hope is rising. I went, oh, okay. I'm good, for, I'm good again. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I'm not saying for the lack of... It's not that we don't walk through really difficult times in our life. It's not that we don't have questions that we've got to ask the Lord. What's going on? Why has my daughter got this disease? Why? You can ask all the questions... But make sure your heart is aligning with who he is and not with who the enemy would say you are or what the enemy would say about your situation. Align your heart with who he is because he himself, Holy Spirit, is the spirit of joy. Jesus dances over you with joy and delight in his heart all day long. He's just looking, wanting you to engage him, and he himself is joy. And so if he's, now by the way, it's not that Father and Son and Holy Spirit don't feel and see the suffering in the world. They do, of course they do, but they're not like us. So while we get our emotions wrecked, if we're contemplating the big, hard, heavy suffering question in the world. It's real. They don't. They're God. They're God, three in one. So they can, at the same time as understand this pain and this suffering and this brokenness, they also are fully, fully, absolutely joy-filled They're not like us. And so we shouldn't put our own human uh, understanding and limit them because we're limited. Does that make sense? And so it's remembering that even in the suffering, there is great, great joy. Great, great joy. Great joy. So there's a few other words for joy from the Hebrew and from the Greek. Some of the words that are used in the New Testament and the Old Testament to mean joy actually mean the old testament understanding of joy was joy would be experienced in the congregation as people assembled god would show up and joy would be filled and felt felt between brothers and sisters and that's why i don't know um um some, some of the Messianic Jewish people can explain to you, there is festival after festival after festival marks. So much of um, the Hebrew, um, even culture today, let alone back when the you know, biblical times and the Bible was written to us, is just festival after festival because they were celebrating God. Even we do communion tonight, and I really asked Dave, like, this is a celebration. The first 100 years of the church, they, when they took communion, it was always around big celebration. They celebrated it in incredible freedom. It was only after that first 100 years that some of the traditions started creeping in. And um, that became very culturally entrenched in many of the things that we do in church life even today still. That first 100 years, it was a celebration. And the men who walked with Jesus are the ones who started it. And they, they, they were the ones who said, this is celebrate. We celebrate. we loud. We cheer. We thank him. We praise. We sing to him. And we sing joyfully to him. Because even in spite of what we walk through, he is the God who is joy. He is joy. The Spirit of God comes into our life and gives us one of those things, the nine spiritual um, fruits of the Spirit, is joy. So he comes and resides with us. We should be experiencing joy. Not all of us do. Do I get that? For two thousand and twenty, when God really was stirring me on this, I knew part of part of our part of our experiencing joy has to do with our own disciplined obedience to the Lord. I have to discipline my thinking. In spite of what I'm walking through, I have to be able to just be responsible for my thinking and responsible for my choices and responsible to go, I know that this is the situation, but God, I know you're bigger and I know you. And so can you speak to my heart and you give me your joy, you fill me with your joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength not the situation. And I won't bring my attitudes and my thinking and my uh, life down to the situation. I won't come under the circumstances. I'm going to be under your care, your loving care. It's Psalm 91 where Psalm 91 says those who um, just come up real close up under um, the wings, like the wings of the, uh, he'll cover you with his pinions and his feathers. You get up close as as if a mother hen is covering you with wings. The the understanding from the, the Hebrew Shekinah glory, this is going to sound a little funny, I know, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Shekinah glory, the Hebrew understanding of the Shekinah glory was as a mother hen or chicken. So it makes great sense to me, because we don't really always get the, the Hebrew Israelite understanding of what this means, but you can read through Psalm 91. It's, he will allow his, his feathers to cover you, and they'll just cover you. But you've got to be really close to to come in under that wing, don't you? You've got to be close and press in. Another part of the meaning of that psalm is to really press in so close that you're really pressed in through the downy feathers, the soft, soft feathers. As we experience His warmth and his, and feel His heartbeat, experience His loving tenderness when we're that close to Him. But it's a choice. And that's the choice that some of it we have to make this year. God wants to bring to us a year full of joy-filled breakthrough, a breakthrough year. But we still have to walk in this choice to go, I'm going to get up. I'm going to be responsible for me. I'm going to be responsible. My thinking, it starts in our thinking, right? I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to be a person who chooses joy even when I don't see it in front of me. A couple of the passages of scripture that God gave me through the years of, I said, in a dry, just, a, I love these people, but just in a dry place. A couple of the scriptures that God gave me were this, I'm going to read them. It's just three, Psalm 39, verse 7, from the Amplified again. My soul, wait only upon God and silently submit to him. For my hope and my expectation are from him or in him. And a large part of the breakthrough in our own thinking is when we realize all of my life, my living, existing, working, being a mum, flourishing through all of life, the dreams and the hopes, all of that must be first anchored in Jesus Christ is the reason I have hope. Jesus Christ is who all of my hope and expectation are in. Not another person, not another human. He's the only one who will never let us down. I can have a lot of expectation on my husband. And, you know, we're married, so I should on the one hand. But he's not God. And we've got to be very careful of the expectation that we place on other people to understand that it is God who wants to be, occupy that place in our heart and thinking of complete dependence on him so that all of our hope, all of our expectation would be fully on him. Another scripture was Psalm 62, 3-7, to amplified still. Um, again, it's a very similar. My soul, wait only upon God and silently submit to him. starts with the same section. Again, for my hope and my expectation are from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and my fortress. I shall not be moved. With God rests my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and impenetrable hardness. He is who that is. That rock in my life that will not be immovable, cannot be, is unbreakable. Verse 8 says, trust in, lean on, rely on, have confidence in God at all times. You people, pour out your hearts before God. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and a high tower. So I won't do the other scripture because I do want to talk about this. Do you know that um, two wilderness situations happened in the desert? It was Moses and the Israelites? God led them into that wizard. That wizard. <laughs> that I was trying to say. That desert and wilderness came out as a wizard. <laughs> so, so, God led them into the wilderness, dry places. And part of it, really, because as they were rejecting God, they were being not trusting. They were being um, rebellious. And so they were led into wilderness captivity. And so sometimes some of us end up in that place from our own silliness, our own mistakes. But Jesus also was led into the wilderness. And it was literally for the proving and the testing of his faith. That was all. And so he did nothing wrong. He was still led there. So the wilderness can happen to all of us. And when I say wilderness, now I'm using that to explain. Sometimes we walk through some hard situations in our lives. All of us do all of us face things that we have to get up and be an adult and walk through. And the wilderness sometimes is because of our own mistakes, but the wilderness sometimes is because the Holy Spirit has led us there. And it's all okay, because here's what God did both times. With Jesus, he was looked after. But even the people, the Israelites, we know that were looked after. God fed them with quail and manna. Much, much more than that, though. He made their center of what they were doing, the place where he'd live among them, and he created a tabernacle, it was a very costly and a very ornate tabernacle in the middle of the wilderness and and his presence, he sat his presence among them in the wilderness and he lived with them and he guided them and he was a cloud by by day to cover them from the hot sun of the desert sun and at night time to warm them, because desert gets cold at night, a pillar of fire, and in that place, his presence was among them still, even, even in the wilderness, and even though that was a um, self-earned wilderness, if you want to call it that, a self-earned wilderness, and God still said, I'm going to be with you, and he made his presence. He limited himself, actually, to the place with right in the center of the tabernacle, because he still wanted to be with his people, and he still wants to, he wants to be with us. Here's the thing, um, the tabernacle that they created in the desert was something that was very, very costly, um, and it was built very ornate in the desert, like it took, took a lot of um, sea cow hides, or some versions, sea cow hides, they're in the middle of the desert, and Jesus goes, oh, Holy Spirit, Father, God, whichever one, doesn't matter, okay, kind of does but uh, God gave very specific instructions on how to build the tabernacle and one of the layers the outer layer was a full layer of sea cow hides can you imagine they're like we're in a desert where do I find sea cow hides in a desert so it was was not an easy thing to build they really had to um, they really had to dig down deep give of their own give of their own possessions to build the tabernacle. And this is what it's like for us when we really want to build in our own heart and our own life and family the costly aspect of worship and the costly, the costly obedience to say, I'm going to be a person who decides I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow your joy to bubble up from the inside and overwhelm me despite what I walk through. The costly nature of our obedience brings God's presence in a greater way. We get to know who he is. One of the songs, one of the lyrics of one of those songs is, I'm, I'm catching new sides of your face. Did I get that right? Yeah, glorious. Um, I'm catching new sides of your face. And God is so much of, us, of God for us to get to know. We get to know it in that place of just we're following. I'm obedient. I'm following and I'm living according to your pattern and your design for my life. I'm, I'm going to set aside my own agendas and I'm just going to take up your will for my life. And that's costly, That's costly obedience. That vision in my kitchen with the sun rolling through, that was what I was really, again, just committing to, costly obedience. It's not a hard thing. It's actually a very glorious thing because he really does make more of himself available. And that's the thing is intimacy becomes more available. Friendship, deeper friendship becomes more available. The more we choose again and again, yield, surrender, I want your will, not mine. I want to follow you. I don't want to follow me. My own ideas, some of them might be really good ideas, right? We're smart. We can come up with some pretty good plans for ourselves. Nothing like the Father... The costly obedience, the costly nature of what it means to walk obediently, God takes that into his heart as worship. And so the choice to walk with joy and be able to walk through hard situations, but know that Jesus has got you by the hand, his hand. You're not trying to hold on to him with dear life. He's got you very secure. Great difference, isn't there? I'm hanging on with everything, religion, or no, I'm just, he's holding me and his hands are really powerful and big and well able. Great difference. The difference is relationship, incredibly close, beautiful, intimate relationship and he makes it, he makes it for everybody, he wants this for everybody and so um, joy becomes something that is yours and yours uh, uh, unendingly yours. Uh, In the middle of the night you can wake up instead of like being mad that you're awake, just go, oh, Hello and sing to him, or pray to him, it's literally like some little thought change, little ways to just change some of our thinking, or some of our attitudes, or oh, joy, all right, I've got to discipline one of my kids right now, but I can do it with joy, because they need to know, they need to know who you are, even in the moments of you know, having to have a hard conversation. Joy, I can still do it with joy. I can still do it with a smile on my face. And so sometimes we've really got to catch ourselves, right, and practice this and be very intentional. But God, who is himself joy, the joy of the Lord becomes the strength in us. Yeah, the joy of the Lord is the strength in us. It's our spiritual warfare. To choose joy is another aspect of spiritual warfare. To choose to be our focus on him and our focus on who he is, is another aspect of our spiritual warfare. Like praise is, like worship is, like prayer is, like fasting is, deciding to be full of joy. Here's the thing is, the enemy wants to discourage us, cause us to sit down, hinder our prayers, stop us praying. He wants to do anything that he can to disconnect us from that intimate place of God and loving him and knowing him. When we move toward Father and go, no, I'm going to choose joy, I'm going to move in that spirit of joy in spite of the circumstances, I'll move in joy. You can use other things too when someone's not being joyful to you, but you respond out of joy or someone's not being loving to you, but you respond out of love. You're responding out of the spirit of God and the great strength that he wants to give all of us. Right. So it's, it takes intentional, you know, grabbing my thoughts, grabbing my heart, catching myself. What Catching myself if I start to have a, I'm really, I'm going to have to just start praying for people. Sorry, you probably can all see it. <laughs> um, joy. I am going to pray for who everybody, whoever wants to. Um, I Several people through the service tonight, I was vibrating like this so I put my hand on a few people already um because the Holy Spirit just said just do it just put your hand on them and um so anybody who just wants to get another fresh touch from the Lord um this is like my body rejoicing (laughs) I don't know what to do I'm just gonna um say maybe thanks thank you Musician coming back to sing. I, uh, for some of you, uh, going watching me for the first time, do this. <laughs> I don't have control over this. I can stop it, but I don't want to. I don't want to stop the Holy Spirit. I don't care about people's opinion of me. I really care about the opinion of heaven. Amen. And so, He is who we trust he's who we trust. And so, I don't know, just come on out, whoever wants to just get prayed for. And anybody else? There's a few people who I know that can really pray too for people. And uh, all right. Thank you. Great. Great. And um, put your hands up. I'm just going to pray for everyone else as well. But come on out. Come on out, actually. Come on up here. So, um, Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let joy flow here tonight. I pray that there would be impartation. I pray for passionate, passionate, exuberant joy, exceeding, exceeding joy to fill hearts, to fill lives tonight. God, have your way in all of us, in all of these people here, but in all of us, God, have your way, have your way. We lay down our our heart, our thinking, our mind, our wishes, our will, everything to exchange it for the things you want to give us, God. In Jesus' mighty name.